Hi, uh, Blue High Wind is on holidays this month, so instead you have to put up with me, some color mage, and with me today are cat use. And... I want to keep everyone in suspense because <laughs> you know I don't show up to like most of these episodes. <laughs> Um, okay, so, uh, yeah, and we don't have a fourth person today because they're just trying to throw something together within the space of, like, 24 hours, um, and this is the Final Fantasy Wiki podcast at, uh, finalfantasy.fandom.com. I almost caught the fucking podcast curse and said it wrong, uh, <laughs> God damn it. um, We've got to keep up the incompetence. <laughs> like, our, our normal host may not be here, but the incompetence still is. Yes, very important we keep up the incompetence. Um, so, anyway, we probably have stuff to talk about later, but first, a surprising amount of news in the past month, actually. And the first piece happened just hours after recording the last podcast episode. God damn it. Uh, um... And that is, uh, we finally got a message from uh, Naoki Yoshida uh, about Final Fantasy sixteen, And uh, unsurprisingly, it's behind schedule. Uh, yeah. They're about five to six months behind uh, because uh, COVID ruined everything yet again. Uh, and uh, the uh, big, uh, like, major... Blitz that was supposed to happen in 2021 has been delayed to this spring. Um, Honestly, it's rarer to find a game that's actually on schedule than it is to find one behind schedule. Yeah, game development just doesn't have a schedule anymore. It's uh, it's been completely thrown out the window. There's, um, I think uh, Square has actually been managing to handle things better than most uh but yeah it still took them months to start to actually implement you know these uh, kind of procedures to continue working through the through the pandemic and uh, yeah that affected just about everything um, right better than most isn't saying a whole lot yeah um okay uh what was uh next Oh yeah, and uh, in what there are several stupid stories in our list this month, actually. But yeah, this is one of the stupider ones. Oh, New Year's, uh, we got there was a letter from uh, the president of Square Enix, just came out to the you know about you know the New Year's vision and blah blah blah, and it's talking about fucking NFTs. <laughs> yep, of course. <laughs> it's an, it's it, it is like. Three pages of just fucking nothing. You, you could read it, and he talks about some. He he talks about NFTs, and he introduces the idea of playing to contribute instead of playing to have fun, which isn't actually a terrible idea by itself because that's what Super Mario Maker is. But it's going to be implemented by NFTs, supposedly. I mean, th- th- there's there's no way any of this actually amounts to anything. This is just like bullshit for investors, but. Yeah, and yeah, like so a, a play to contribute model, yeah, that's just a lot of user generated experiences and hell, even MMO economies. That's fine. But the big 
NFT gaming stupid buzzword, play to earn, that that is psychologically unsustainable. Like once you start ent- putting real world money into what you can make out of things, people's minds actually change on how they treat the thing, and it's no longer that fun. <laughs> um, so, for those who are confused about what an NFT is at this point, and I don't blame you because the concept is stupid as fuck. Right, so just to explain the concept of an NFT, right? It's like selling a piece of digital artwork, but you're not actually selling the artwork itself because anyone can just take the artwork, like with a screen cap or whatever. You're selling the token, which gives a link to the artwork on some website. And if you're thinking, wait, but what happens if the website goes down or the company doesn't operate anymore in like several years? Yeah, there's fuck all you can do about that. So it might be worth like 400 grand or however much people are paying on this piece of shit right now. It might be worth that much right now. But when that site goes down because the NFT fad fades, it's worth fuck all. And you just went 400k in the hole. So it's literally like they're trying to turn the whole concept of people like basically a bunch of rich people selling pieces of artwork for money laundering or I mean, whatever legitimate purposes decorating their rooms or whatever but we know it's money laundering so they're trying to make that a digital version of that but it's stupid as fuck like and it could i don't know it's just it's a great way to scam you out of your money just don't don't invest in nfts waste the time so stupid and also like i think a couple uh major uh factors uh um that also go into why this is a fucking stupid idea uh, as we are recording this, uh, pretty much the entirety of the cryptocurrency bubble is uh, in the midst of popping. Uh, mm. Like uh, Bitcoin is down, uh, I think it was 45% from its last peak. <laughs> um, so, okay. Yeah. And of so- course, um, when it comes to uh, NFTs in AAA gaming, uh, everyone's favorite stupidest fucking publisher ever, Ubisoft, has already gotten involved in that, uh, and the total trade vol- volume after several months is uh, quite blat- is quite obviously less than the amount of money they put into making these things. So it's not going Dude. well. <laughs> Dude, Troy Baker, the guy who voiced Snow, and a bunch of people from <laughs> tons of other franchises. Oh, right, I nearly Troy forgot Baker. about this one. <laughs> He made a post uh, on Twitter saying it was something to do with NFTs. He was like, you can hate or you can create. And it got ratioed the fuck out of it. Because everyone said, why, why, dude? Why are you like? And it's the fact that he was so dismissive of the people that criticized NFTs. And then he walked it back like three hours later. It was yeah. like, uh, I was just kidding about that. Um, I'm grateful that everyone's voicing their opinions, which means, you know, he doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> like, you know, he's going to keep buying his NFT. He's going to become worthless in five years' time. It's, and, just, it's and so then dumb. That, and then that fucking stupid NFT organization he was uh, shilling for, first of all, it pointed out that, you know, these are basically trying to sell the rights to, uh, rights to voice actors' voices with, you know... Uh, AI voice synthesizer program, which first of all that would put Troy Baker out of a job. Yep. Um, 
And second of all, then it got called out because uh, they basically just stole uh, 15AI's code. Uh, if you're not sure what that is, that is a free uh, web web app that uh, just uh, you basically just select a voice, type in whatever you want, and uh, and it makes really stupid uh, stupid voice clips with the voice you selected, uh, which also shows the uh, problem with uh, that kind of AI, because if you uh, try to make it longer than one short sentence, the AI just very quickly starts breaking down. <laughs> NFTs kind of rapidly went from, like, last year they were introduced, and people were like, oh, what's this? This seems kind of pointless. To where it is now, where everyone just basically, like, immediately trashes it. And for good reason, because the concept is stupid as hell, you know? It's the kind of people who buy, like, you know, freaking Aston Martins that they're never going to drive ever in their life. Like, they'll buy these, like, expensive-ass cars that they never intended to drive them. They just want to take pictures with them and say, look how many cars I've got. Or they'll buy those, like, massive-ass houses and then they'll live in, like, three rooms out of, like, 50. It's, like, literally, like, NFTs are just, like, a rich people status thing. They said the status is going to go away in five years anyway. Yeah. Or, I mean, five years may be a bit optimistic. Yeah, that's or, a bit but, optimistic. Like, but in a certain, <laughs> yeah, in a certain amount of time frame, <laughs> they're going to lose all of their value. So it's just, it's just pointless. Yeah, uh, like within the space of about a year, NFTs have gone from uh, being pointless to mass copyright infringement to some of the worst fucking procedurally generated art that you have ever seen to uh, completely absolute cringeworthy ideas of democratizing things that you actually can't democratize. Like, no, you cannot create, you cannot use NFTs to create an organization to buy a copy of the Constitution and then hold votes on whatever the fuck you do with it. Like, uh, and oh, not only Christ. that, um, they couldn't raise enough to outbid the number one bidder <laughs> on that, and then yeah. their organization completely collapsed because all the money got eaten in transaction fees. <laughs> yeah, there's like, I swear, there are NFT companies where they'll, they'll release their quote-unquote artwork, and it's like a 16-bit pixel image. Of like you can't even tell what it's about, and they're saying this is worth four hundred grand, and you're just like, what the fuck? Who would buy this shit? Yeah, yeah. I like if you want to see how pointless the image part of like these NFT collections are. Uh, this week, uh, Twitter finally unveiled its uh, much, very already well known and much hated feature to. Uh, make an NFT your profile pic and like he'll verify it and display it in a hexagon instead of a circle. And uh, one thing people found is that you can just click on it to get the information. And like if you've got one of those uh, really shitty apes that are you know, emblematic of NFTs as a whole, Twitter is able to break the description down to the, of it down into a table with five fields. Like that's wow. basically all it is. Because, frankly, uh, and this is actually a uh, design flaw with NFTs that the creator of it acknowledges, and as such, he barely uses it. NFTs don't 
can't really store shit. There's no room in the data for it. And that's why they have to point to external sources because you can't actually store the thing in, in the NFT, um, which is actually surprising uh, because you know, one of the first big problems with, with the Bitcoin blockchain uh, was that people were able to successfully encode and store child pornography on it. <laughs> yeah, so so that's so NFTs are stupid as hell. And Square Enix announced that they would like they announced a bunch of nothing, but brought up NFTs a lot. So is that gonna go anywhere? Probably not. I mean, I get the sense from like uh most of these companies that were early like went big on NFTs at one point that they've kind of they've seen where the winds are blowing and they realize like that's just the quickest way to get clowned on. So yeah, it's starting. I don't think that's go anywhere. Yeah, it's definitely starting to lose favor, and just in general, the actual uh, you know developers have pretty much always hated this. I think the latest uh, GDC report had something about seventy five percent do not want to work on anything cryptocurrency related. Makes sense, honestly. Like cryptocurrency is a whole other can of worms that I think is beyond the scope of the podcast but my short opinion of it is it's it's an easy way to get scammed like i can understand the i can understand some of the ideas behind it but it's it just seems like an easy way to you know throw a bunch of money down the drain oh one last thing we should say with regard to nfts is there's a really good meme going around a really good ff7 meme related to uh, oh, nft yeah. right and it's like uh, oh, it's barrett <laughs> yeah, it's Barrett talking to Cloud, and Barrett's like, "The planet's dying, Cloud, and you want to burn it all for some stupid ass image of an ape." Or I don't remember exactly how it went, but you guys should check that out because that's think, kind of emblematic of it. I think yeah. it's been posted on our Discord server like five times by now. Yeah, and At someone least. posted a different version where Barrett's talking to some Shinra guy. The Shinra guy's like, "I just minted a Shinra NFT." <laughs> And Barrett's like, shut your stupid ass mouth. <laughs> yeah, that one's great too. Anyways, artificial scarcity doesn't work on the internet, kids. Do not invest in NFTs. Uh, Yosuke Matsuda, if you're if you're listening to this, we know your letter was bullshit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, what was uh, next? Uh, uh, yeah, the other fans. stupid thing. Oh, you want to do the other stupid thing first? Okay. Um, yeah, all the. Stupid news out of the out of the way. Okay, so uh, recently uh, there was an interesting session of the Italian Senate. <laughs> um, oh, we're gonna go with that one first. All right. <laughs> I thought you said stupid things. That's the other. That's that's the stupid thing. But I thought there was a fourth stupid thing. I mean, but, right. they're both FF Seven related. I think so. Um, they are both FF Seven related. Well, do you want that's to true. go with the Italian one or the uh, Nojima one first? All right, go with the Italian Senate. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, there was a session at the Italian Senate. Uh, it was being you know, <laughs> recorded on the on uh, is being done by you know, one of those apps like Zoom or something, and uh, someone managed to get in and started uh, showing porn of Tifa on <laughs> live. Uh, it was it was some like hentai uh thing that some like some fan artist made. It was like with and and I think clouds in it as well, but like 
Uh, I mean, I don't know the details on this shit. I, I mean, just know but... that they played it. <laughs> they played it, like, with the screen share function for God knows how long. And you just imagine, like, with all these, like, important, <laughs> like, government people, right, here for, like, a serious conversation, then all of a sudden some guy manages to hack into it and play that for however many seconds he got away with playing it for. How uncomfortable everyone must have been in that meeting. Like, what the f- fuck is going on and then as a result tifa was trending on twitter for the worst possible reason yeah and uh then after that uh if you went to uh if you went to uh google uh, image search and searched for uh prominent, prominent italian, italian political figures guess which website was result number two baby <laughs> it's us <laughs> So this is wild. So I'm looking at the the, the IndianExpress.com report of this. Apparently, this was not just like a private Zoom call. This was being live streamed on Facebook and on Senato Television. Yeah, so, you so people all over Italy were watching really shitty porn with Tifa and Cloud. No, no. I think the way I think of it is like uh, you know how we have C-SPAN for the U.S. Senate and U.S. Congress. I think it's their equivalent of that. It was when it got played. Yeah, Sonato TV is the Italian equivalent of C-SPAN. Right, right. That's So, yeah, so that got played in the middle of freaking the C-SPAN equivalent for anyone who's a, a, enough of a political nerd to watch those, watch those videos would have seen, a, like, however many seconds of that hentai porn that someone made illegally, by the way, after downloading... The models from the game. So hey, that happened. No, no one wants to go after the Steam filmmaker porn people because, you know, why would you want to? Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Square probably don't give a shit at this point. It's free advertising for them. I mean, obviously <laughs> they haven't acknowledged the incident. But, I, you know. I mean, that's basically how uh, how Blizzard managed to escape by for years uh, making Overwatch, uh, Overwatch interesting is just all the porn. Pretty much. <laughs> so, so yeah. So that was an interesting, um, I guess, session of the Senate. Um, not the I... reason why I'd want <laughs> my favorite character in the series <laughs> to get attention, <laughs> but it happened. It is what it is. Uh, um, oh yeah, and uh, just uh, as a side note, um, because I was trying to look through all of. This stuff of the things uh, I forgot uh, yesterday. Um, there was another minor Final Fantasy 16 development, which was uh, the uh, game is actually on the uh, PlayStation Store now. There's uh, basically no information there, but yeah, if you go to the yeah, go to the collections menu, it's listed under the coming soon list. So, uh, so some so something is probably happening. Um, Soonish, because like, because be like that spring window means it's probably going to be sometime March to May, uh, I guess. Um, right. Uh, okay, so I guess uh, we wanted to do the other kind of stupid FF Seven related news. Then, mm, uh, do you want to explain this or shall I? Uh, okay, so. Um, I'm trying to think of which part we should describe first. The uh, 
part of what uh, the rest of the fandom was shitting on this guy on, or the part that we have historically shat on him for? Let's do it chronologically. Okay, so there is this um, one guy who is uh, really obsessive about about Jesse. It's like, during last year, uh, there was this incident where we basically had to uh, lock the page and block him several times because he was constantly insisting that... uh, uh, go ahead. Okay, I was just going to say, it was, at the time, I was so sad about that. So, let me explain, because uh, Jesse is one of the articles that I'm actually the most proud of. It was a collaboration between me and another one of our editors, Nocturne, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And he, this, like, Nocturne just showed up after FF7 Remake released and showed so much promise immediately and, like, he needed a bit of mentoring, but he's already gotten, like, several articles up to, like, really good, high-quality standards. And that was kind of, like, the first one where I said, like, um, he's now, like, top tier as far as article writing goes, right, is Jesse's page. And it was just, he just did a, like, he just knocked that page out of the park, Nocturne did. So mm-hmm. this guy, who is about to become the villain of the story, when he first showed up, he actually gave some good constructive criticism. Right. You know, because yeah. when you, when you write a page like that, when you write like, you know, a page that you're really like uh, trying to get to like super high, proper quality standards, you need all the scrutiny you can get. So when you're getting good constructive feedback and good scrutiny, that's great. You know, I was like, I was thrilled that someone would scrutinize it to the level he had. Cause up until that point, it was mostly me scrutinizing it, and yeah, and it was mostly just me, Nocturne, and Kelt looking at the whole page. So now we had an outsider, someone who was clearly, you know, a huge fan of the character, to, as we later found out, a disturbing degree. But, like, um, but, you know, at first it was super promising, you know, seeing this guy made some genuinely good edits to the page. Then... Then his suggestions became dumber and dumber and dumber, and that's the part where you get it. Right. So, uh, his, so uh, one of the things that this guy uh, was really insistent on is that he thinks he f- thinks that Jesse is the guy, on, uh, the girl on the Loveless poster, and yeah. n- no one could actually see this uh, resemblance, uh, and like. His argument largely revolved around the fact, well, she's an actress, so it doesn't matter if, you know, the hair's different, the eye's different, the complexion's different. That's all makeup. That's all... Uh, and, like, eventually uh, there was this one bit where he started uh, doctoring this picture of Jessie to try and make, him, make her resemble the girl on the poster more, and it still didn't look like it. It's... It's like not even the yeah. facial structure is similar enough. And once yeah, we had- the argument was if you change everything about the loveless girl <laughs> to look like Jesse, then the loveless girl looks like Jesse. Yeah. And from this image, uh, we were able to follow this guy back to his Twitter account. And yeah. when we were there, uh, we saw uh, he had also been trying to convince. Uh, the general Twitter populace of this, 
through all of his various edits and and kept putting up polls, uh, which he kept deleting because they all came back at least 60% no. <laughs> yep. Yeah, basically. Uh, yeah, it's like, you know, it's... I don't want to say it's as egregious, but it's similarly egregious to some guy who was this massive fan of Hiroyuki Ito that he's oh, still like... Guy. Oh, no. Yeah, the guy who used to, like, forge all of his sources and say, guys, I have a source saying that Ito is, like, directing this game or did this or whatever. It's similar to that, where, like, oh, if I go out and forge something to make my fan fiction true, then I can add my fan fiction to the wiki as if it's true, right? <laughs> Keep in mind, this is also the same guy. Uh, some of the other things he suggested are he got super mad at us for saying Jesse Raspberry is presumably dead after the Sector 7 pillar exploded. Yeah. yeah. Because she's presumably dead. <laughs> like, like, how else do you want to read that? Oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. Is there a chance she survived? Sure. But <laughs> all evidence <laughs> indicates that she did not make it. Like, so, yeah, it's entirely it's, possible she survived, because, you know, uh, the, the fat one, I keep forgetting which one is Biggs and which one is Wedge, Wedge. But, he, but he survived as well. And, yeah, it's entirely possible that, uh, that Jessie survived. But the last time we saw her, she was having a dramatic death scene uh, just minutes before a pile of rubble fell on her. So Right, uh, exactly. She is most likely dead. It is possible she survived, but um, I'm not and we, going... And the thing is, we mentioned that. You know, yeah. when we say presumably dead, we're not saying, oh, like, uh, she's dead 100%. Like, this, this, girl is, this girl is gonzo. We're not saying that. We're saying most likely she's dead. But we're still leaving the door open that maybe she survived, right? Right. You know, but this girl was like, no. You have to say possibly dead. Like, no, I'm not going to say possibly dead because most likely all the evidence suggests that she's dead. Yeah, no, like it basically like, turned it, into it a like, semantic argument about one word at the end. I know, right? Like these, and like, all of these words just mean she might be dead or might not be. Yeah, it would be like going to Wikipedia to... Make a to start an edit war saying, Well, Tupac is presumably dead, <laughs> but he might be living in Cuba because we never saw his body. Like, no, <laughs> maybe Tupac was the inspiration for the villain of fucking Far Cry 6. Who knows? Holy, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, so basically, yeah, he went. I was like, you know, I thought this guy showed some promise, you know, I was super like. You know, I was super happy when he first co- showed up to scrutinize one of, I think, one of our best articles. I don't think that's unfair to say. I think that's one of the best articles we have on the wiki is Jesse's page. And this guy did make good contributions to make it better. But over time, his contributions became dumber and dumber and dumber to the point where we had to ban him, right? Because in that conversation, in the Loveless conversation, like, Admin after admin came in and said, no one agrees with you. We're dead in the conversation. And then he'd respond. And then someone else would say, no, no one agrees. We're dead in this. 
and he would not stop. So we had to just ban him. And then what? But what? What? What really triggered the ban was the fact that like um his his main argument for why Jesse was the loveless person was well you guys would accept this if it was Tifa or a player character, right? You know, it's like you guys are just biased against Jesse. But if this was Tifa, you'd believe it. So we said, no, we don't listen to the Cloty people either. We don't listen to that part of the shipping war either. It was, and then he responded with, oh, you're saying you don't listen to the Cloty people and you don't listen to me. I guess you're in the pocket of Big Clareth. So we're like, shut the fuck up, dude. And then a bunch of like Clareth like fans started like liking all of our tweets on Twitter. So I guess <laughs> other people got the same idea from that. But for, for the record, we do not give a fuck about your ship. If right. the wiki a- appears biased towards a particular ship, this is, this is not intentional. And we would like to undo that. Get your fucking ships out of here. Yeah, Thank it, you. It, there, there are uh, three cases in which we might support a ship. Number one, is if the characters have actually fucked C Cecil and Rosa. Number or two is if there is if it is an airship. Turns out we covered yeah. those a lot. <laughs> yeah. And situation number three is Clefferoff because that is the foundation of the modern fandom. <laughs> yeah, I mean Thank the you. funny thing is, like, even though the Clareth people even though some of them had the idea that we were pro Clareth, like oh well I mean I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if that was their impression. Maybe they were just like, oh, thank God, we're not be- the ones being shut on for once. I don't know if they had that impression, but Clareth people have gotten mad at us too. Like, there was, there was a, at least a, like, two or three Clareth people that showed up on one talk page saying, I heard that this wiki is really biased, and it's biased because you show, like, a one resolution image and you don't show the other one, or you treat one like it's canon and you don't treat the other one. And it was just like, no, dude, we don't have the other image because no one took the other image. If you want to add it, you can add it. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, people, people, like, I, I get the sense that most people in the shipping community are just looking to cause trouble. Because yeah, if you look at, like, there's if also, you look at, um, hold on. there's also, like, that big disclaimer we have at the top of, uh, I think it's Cloud's talk page, where we point out that uh, you know, the, the English and Japanese Ultimanias actually disagree on this one yeah. aspect, and the whole thing is just really stupid, and we do not care. We just yeah, cannot right. care right uh, about, about fan theories, because that's, that's ultimately what it is. Uh, Cloud is... Cloud does show attraction to several girls, uh, well, Cloud shows some degree of attraction to Aerith and Tifa. Uh, with Jesse, it is the other way around. Jesse shows attraction to him. Uh, and basically, the question is deliberately unanswered. And although, you know, that one high wind scene, you can make an argument that it is trying to go with Tifa going forward, it is ultimately non committal. So right. that is I mean, what we say it is non committal. Yeah, I mean, if you ask me personally, when it comes to the shipping war, I think the fact that, like, you know, like, uh, if you look, if you listen to people who talk about the ships either way, you know, some people have some genuinely good and moving arguments for their ship, right? Right. You know, 
So, like, the Clotie people will often say, like, you know, it's a really, it's a beautiful love story about two childhood, two people who were destined to love one another since childhood. Things got in the way, but at the end of it, you know, they realized they were the only ones there for one another, and then they found one another. You know, the Clareth people say, you know, it's this beautiful love story about uh, someone who was always in his own shell and never came out of it until he met this one girl, and that was the first time he ever laughed in his whole life, and now she helped him discover a part of himself. You know, people always have these beautiful stories for their ship and why the ship means so much to them and whatever. And I say, do you know what that means? That means Square Enix did a really good fucking job of writing a story in which it's ambiguous which one uh which one Cloud loves because it's a role playing game. Like that's like the fact the thing is like Final Fantasy 7 was one of the first of its time to do something like this and they went the road route of we're going to have you know uh, a love triangle in this game and that's something the series hasn't done before and we're going to let the player choose who cloud loves and the fact that you can piece your own story together for why it's like you know it's this story that means so much to you shows that they did a good job of that (laughs) you know so the whole shipping nonsense thing to me and you know it's just it's just two groups of people that are just extremely toxic towards one another and always they're always either trying to look for evidence for their own ship to look for it in any place they can find it or they're just being like just trashing the other guys and they they always come up with the excuse of well it's okay if I trash them because they trash us too it's like great all you're doing is perpetuating a bunch of shipping war fucking nonsense that you know You've missed and that's how we ended up with two romantic arguments forum threats. <laughs> oh my right, god. Right, and well, I do respect you know, people making good arguments, even though I don't ultimately care. Like, when we're not going to right. cover it just because you made a persuasive argument. But then you get those absolute galaxy brain arguments like, Closey must be canon because Aerith is dead. Right. Just, <laughs> I, I that this. was the... I've said this before on the Twitter, and, like, I do not respect that argument. I would respect it if you phrased it like, Clarif cannot be canon because Zack and Aerith are constantly fucking in the live stream. If you phrase it like that, I would respect you. But if you just say Aerith is dead, (laughs) fuck off with that stupid bullshit. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of like uh it's kind of the worst thing about the Final Fantasy 7 fandom if you ask me. Like I mean, you know, Square like kind of knew what they were doing, but I don't think even they predicted like uh that it would get to the level of toxicity it's reached where like, you know, you have people like who are fans of one or the other like basically calling the other fans racist or something and you have people saying like uh, you know, there's like no room for nuance whatsoever. They they just, you know, will send death threats at you for liking one or liking the other. Like uh not even liking the ship, just liking the character at all. It's so stupid. Just calm down, people. And you know, I wish you guys, you know, I wish you guys made peace with one another the way that Tifa and Aerith clearly have made peace with one another considering they're best friends. Like, get over your fucking yeah. self. Seven Seven <laughs> Remake did a really 
good job at showing off just the friendship between uh, Tifa and Aerith. Mm. Um, like, and the friendship was always there in the original. It just wasn't so much to the forefront. Like, for example, you know, there's a scene. Uh, I promise I will bring this back into the news item. But <laughs> we've gone off a bit on the shipping thing. But I'll I'll bring this up real quick. Like, there's a scene, for instance, in in Under Junin, where like uh, just after I think it's after Cloud has rescued Priscilla from you know the dolphin incident. Like, there's a scene where like the whole party members split up. And then you see Tifa and Aerith, like, go off on their own, and they're just, like, talking to one another and gossiping. And you can't, like, talk to them, so you can't find out what they're saying, you know. But it's that and the fact that, you know, uh, in Costa del Sol, if you don't choose them in the party, then the two of them will choose to go off to the beach together. Their friendship always existed. Like, it's not, like, an invention of the remake. It's just, you know, remake kind of, like, put it more to the forefront because... There's just more, there's more dialogue because there's more stuff happening, if that makes sense. Right, yeah. Anyway, so we should probably bring it back to the certain classy shipper, the Cloud and Jesse shipper, right? So So that's our history with him. Uh, The community has had their own history with the the guy as well. Apparently he's been big on Twitter for a long time, but, you know, there are several, like, content creators, like, you know, people like active people in fact including like one of our uh previous guests Sreliata dealt with him too where like he would always harass them for like not putting Jesse as the thumbnail in some of the videos or like you know not making models of Jesse or not making art of Jesse or whatever he'd always sit like uh you know it would always start off with a basic like um can you do Jesse next and they'd say um, like, uh, Jesse's not my favorite, but thank you for showing interest in the art. And then you'd be like, how dare you not say Jesse's, like, deserves this? You're only, like, God. biased towards these two because they're player characters. And it'll always get super, like, you know, fucking aggressive about it. It's like, calm the fuck down, dude. But then, like, um, Schrodinger's Baby Seal is, like, a he's a relatively big-ish YouTuber in the FF7 community. He made this, like, it was a pretty good, like, uh, podcast with, like, uh, he had a representative from Cloty, he had a representative from Clarith, and he had a representative from Classy. And the idea of the podcast was, we're going to see where the shippers can find common ground, and we're going to try and, like, make peace with one another. And it was actually a pretty good ship. But uh, the classy guy was in it, and he revealed in it that uh, the reason he's so obsessed with Jessie is that uh, she reminds him of his deceased ex-girlfriend or something. Oh, my God. Like, something like that. Yeah, oh, but no. like, But, yeah, I mean, it, it was, like, some kind of reasoning before, for it. But then he ultimately said, like, uh, I'm going to be try and be better about this. You know, I, I realize that people have problems with it. We all thought at that point that it was going to be better from them on. It wasn't like, you know, it escalated to the point where uh, the news item occurred, which is he right. sent a tweet to Nojima. Yeah, so this is uh, last weekend. I've got my note about it in the admin lab at like the 17th. Uh, and this guy had uh, continuously been uh, been bugging Nojima on, on Twitter about it. And then Nojima... No, Jima got fed up. He he yeah, announced he sent a dead ass manifesto about it. Oh, <laughs> like he, but it wasn't even like well written because he did Google Translate for the whole. So he did, he went to the trouble of doing Google Translate to write his whole manifesto 
about uh, for Classy, in which he was basically saying, don't make Tifa and Cloud Cannon because that's going to be too divisive, but do uh, add all this stuff so that Jesse can, you know, make sure she comes back in the next part. Like, she's going to come back to life. And she's also, you know, there's going to be options so that she can go on the Gold Saucer date and, you know, just basically make her more prominent, but don't make a Cloud and Tifa canon, because that's too divisive, right? And it, and then, you know, it was just like, obviously it was extremely fucking disrespectful, because right. it's Google Translate. Yeah. <laughs> and, because and also the message is fucking stupid. Right, uh, I mean, you know, it was, it was dumb as fuck, but... But yeah, uh, Nojima got fed up. He outright announced, I am no longer using my Twitter account to talk about the games I have worked on. This is basically just a, a, an account for pictures of my pets now. And, right. And people piled on the Jesse, uh, Jesse dude hard <laughs> for that yep. one. Yeah, I mean... Though, if anything, there is a happy ending to this whole shipping war nonsense because that brought the shippers together <laughs> against the Jesse guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, we're, all, moment right there. we're all united in being sick of this one fucking guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he's now made his... Uh, he made his Twitter private, but... Um, you know, a lot of like uh, the the kind of big people in the community all had their own takes on it, but it generally went to, uh, like they like generally speaking, they channeled it towards like okay, let's uh, give no let's give Nomura uh, not not Nomura Nojima like something for his birthday, like you know let's uh, you know all tweet about how much we love the story and whatever. So. They kind of turned it away from the Jesse guy, which is why we're not really saying his name. Because ultimately, it's not about this one person. It's about the fact that, you know, like, sh- people should not be so freaking obsessed over fictional characters with pixels on the screen. Like, you know, you guys need to grow up a little bit. Like, these people... These fictional characters that do not exist in real life are not worth you sending death threats towards one another or harassing the developers over it or whatever it is you think you're doing. Like, you know, I get that you identify something in these characters or whatever and you take it personally when someone says, I don't like them as much as you. Well, not everyone sees it that way. You know, most of us have freaking lives you know we enjoy these stories and we enjoy these characters we don't fucking harass one another over it like grow up <laughs> yeah. uh and yeah um i mean uh sort of subtweet for from me aside we just tried to ignore what was happening on twitter because nothing good can come from the ff wiki account uh jumping into this shit um yeah i mean, we- I mean- the only time we got in hotbed with uh with Twitter posters was totally by accident. Like and it was my fault. Like so And I guess what was it like... was shipping again. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean I literally, you know, cause like I literally all I did was I posted uh, uh, a celebration of the Tifa Lockhart article, right? And I did that and it was for Tifa's birthday, you know, there was a huge like, there was a huge thing in the community where they're like, oh, show your fan arts or show your, like, uh, 
like model renders or whatever it is. And I said, okay, I'm going to show this article because I'm pretty fucking proud of the article. Like, I'm not going to lie. You know, that's that, that might be the one, the single one article that I'm most proud of in my whole like 12 year or however long it is career of editing, right? I mean, I'm pretty freaking proud of that article. So I posted that and I posted some fun facts about it, you know, and I thought this is going to be great. You know, this is going to be, you know, me showing what I have to bring to the community and us showing how important we are to the the fan community and whatever. And instead we had a bunch of Twitter, uh, like, uh, shepherds who we were like, oh, why did you show this? Why did you say that Maiden is canon in this? Like, uh, you know, that's stupid. I'm like, dude, the reason why I put the citation next to it and I cite the story is to say where it came from. If you've decided, oh, that's not canon... Well, I put my source right there. Like, you know, I mean, and I've changed it from a citation to an annotation now. So you can decide if it's non-canon or not. But, but like, also, you just, know. Uh, just in general, uh, Maiden, if I recall correctly, is from an Ultimania. We, it is. We consider, we pretty much consider Ultimania to be the definitive canon when, right. when it comes up. Because that is often where all of the, uh, you know, notes uh, notes of how things were supposed to happen, and often you know mechanics on how the how the games actually work. That is where a lot of this gets sourced from. They are some of the most valuable resources to uh, uh, to us for uncovering some of the uh, more hidden information. We are not going to disregard part of it unless Square Enix up and says disregard this. Right. I mean, you know, like literally when it first happened and I was getting people like uh, getting mad at it, I was like, what the hell? Like, I mean, this is this is fucking weird, you know, and it wasn't even like constructive criticism. Yeah. It weren't coming from a place of, hey, I'm not sure that that should be like um that that should be given as much prominence, given that it's uh given that it's kind of ambiguous where it sits in the canon, you know, I'm open to that. Yeah, and I, that, you know, and I eventually did turn it into an annotation. Yeah, that's a that. fine argument. But <laughs> right, the, but they came at it. I was like, why are you treating this as if it's canon? Why are you acting as if it's uh, as if it's whatever source? You are clearly biased. And at first I was just confused. Like, what the hell? Why are people and, so mad about this one novel? And then you spent uh, five minutes... You spend five minutes clicking through their profiles and realize, oh, it's all Clotes getting pissed off that this one, right. one well, I mean, has it a pro Clarif like... slant. Right, yeah. I mean, literally, like, I was confused at first. Yeah. And then Drake sent me a message said, by the way, Clotes hate that because in the book it once says, Aerith loves Cloud. I was just like, oh, you gotta be fucking kidding me. And literally, like, one of the most upvoted comments in, like, the reply thread to that tweet, one of the most upvoted comments was someone saying, by the way, you know, there's no confirmation that Cloud returned Aerith's feelings. And I was just like, what the fuck does that have to do with whether the book's canon or not? You know, that kind yeah. of, like, gave the whole game away right there. Yeah, the, the book says Aerith loves Cloud. Apparently Tifa loves Cloud. Apparently Jesse loves Cloud, or loves Cloud's dick anyways. Uh, <laughs> Sephiroth loves Cloud. He chases him all over the fucking world. And X loves Cloud means absolutely dick. Right. Yeah, like, you I'm know, like... if it wasn't for the, uh, for, you know, the grand horrors from outer space fucking everything up, uh, Final Fantasy VII's world could easily become a harem anime. 
<laughs> I mean, man, it's so, like, it's so stupid. But basically, you know, like, shipping wars are a load of fucking nonsense. And this one elevated to the point where Najima says he's not going to talk to us about, you know, the games anymore. And, I mean, I can actually kind of understand his position because basically what he said was like, um, I feel like if I make uh, comments about the, about the franchise and that's going to like hurt people's enjoyment of it, you know, and I, I guess that's an argument for Death of the Author where he's kind of saying like, you know, I just want to put the work out there and then you guys can like read it however you want and you don't need to go on my interpretation of it, you know, or like what I say about it, which to me you know, is a clear argument for there's no canon ship, it's actually player choice, but you know, whatever. I, like, I shipping just in stuff. general think that Twitter is a terrible place for creatives to talk about their creative process. You, social media in general is horrible for that. Please start a blog if you want to do stuff like that, because uh, you know, uh, not only do blogs tend to be slightly less horrible than social media, if they're still, if you know, comments on that are still being bad, you have the power to just turn those off entirely. Everyone right. wins. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I kind of half agree with that because, like, you know, I know that James Gunn, for instance, he uses Twitter quite well. You know, he's always answering a bunch of like fan questions about Guardians of the Galaxy, and he'll always like, you know. He's introduced so many things to the canon just by replying to people's tweets. And I think, you know, I don't think that's a terrible use of Twitter if you can, like, withstand the fact that sometimes you might reply to someone in in a comment and they might respond, how dare you fucking say that? How dare you ruin, you know, my head canon? Like, uh, I mean, you know, there are ways to use it properly, but like... uh, like, but like you said, there are also a huge ton of problems with it, and I imagine those problems are exacerbated when English is not your native language. Yeah, right. I guess uh, imagine James... trying to talk to English fans of your or English speaking fans, I should say, of your works, right? When you barely speak the language and you're trying to like clarify something, but then you get something wrong on accident. Like we've already had that problem several times, where like you know, like the the creators will say something but it gets translated wrong and then like you know and then people run with whatever translation it is and then just like trash like uh you know like we like the i think the problem we had with that or i mean i don't like to talk about this problem so much because i don't give a shit at all like you know like when tifa was first unveiled for final fantasy 7 remake like uh they they basically said um and they explained their decision to give her a sports bra by saying uh we uh, our ethics team wanted it to be wanted it to be more restrictive which you know taking a face value what it's meant to mean is you know when you're when you're out there performing athletics like that you kind of need to wear clothing that is appropriate for athletics that allows you to still have flexibility but also you know, supports the girls in place, right? But then these motherfuckers were like, oh, clearly, you know, Square Enix is woke now, and now we got to trash the game because, you know, they restricted her breasts and made them smaller. It's like, shut the 
Fuck up. Yeah, dude. also on that Not one, uh, Square up. Enix's uh, Square Enix's process regarding these things is well documented because it has affected uh, multiple uh, Dragon Quest ports in the past. Square Square decides what rating they want something to be, and part of their job is to look at it and think, "Oh no, this isn't going to meet the current zero requirements for this rating, so we've got to change it." That's basically what that ethics department does. They give them the work and the rating, and they say whether or not they believe uh, this will get the correct rating. I loved when one guy tried to show up on our our Discord to concern troll about it, and then, like, uh, at first we were kind of arguing back seriously, but then Kay, or Coldest Fire, just responded to him like, uh, do you love games that objectify women? And it just kind of, like, you know... (laughs) Kind of made him give the whole game away when he responded to that. And then we were like, alright, kicked. That was funny. I I should have responded to that by just turning into a full chauvinist pig and just saying, by the way, she looks better with the sports bra and then all the audio of the conversation. Uh, But but yeah, I guess uh, James Gunn uh, uses Twitter pretty well. The other creative that I have respect for his work on Twitter, even if I don't quite like his films. Uh, Zack Snyder, uh, for that time when he responded to uh, uh, people uh, getting up in arms of it, hearing that uh, DC uh, does not does not uh, allow uh, any writers to make even the slightest implication that Batman might uh, do oral sex, because Batman right. doesn't do that. that. And he responded by uh, commissioning artwork of uh, of Batman eating Catwoman out. Yeah, I remember that. That was, that was quite funny. That was, As yeah. God intended. And by God, I mean Smash Mouth. A <laughs> uh, quick context behind that, just before we move on. Basically, like, uh, DC have a show called uh, Harley Quinn. It's a great show. You should all watch it. Right, and then for season two, that like the creators of it leaked that uh they wanted to put they wanted to have a scene of Batman eating Catwoman out. Well, but then I don't they were think told, they actually like, wanted the scene. They just wanted dialogue to to imply it or something. Or like dialogue that. to imply it, yeah. yeah. But like they basically said, like we want we want to say canonically that that happened, and the DC writers are like, oh, superheroes don't do that. You can't put that in. And then you know people like. What the fuck? Why would he not do that? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's that's such a weird thing to get annoyed about. <laughs> With all the shit that happens in the Harley Quinn show. And it's fucking, like, you know, like that shit, that show is crazy as fuck. With all the stuff that happens in that show, why would you be upset about that? <laughs> like, I don't know. I was just so gonna stupid. say, on that topic in general, superheroes are probably going to be some of the gentlest, most responsive, and greatest lovers. Because if Superman thrusts the wrong way, he kills someone. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but anyway, so that was an interesting news item topic. <laughs> um, so anyway, I think next on the list uh, was Fourteen's uh, uh, latest news. <laughs> um so anyway, so last month, uh, 14 servers pretty much imploded and they had to shut down all new account registrations uh, just to try and figure out how the hell do we actually fix this. And next week, they're going to be reopening. Uh, so on the 
25th, uh, they will be opening the new uh, the new data center, Materia. This is the first data center located in Australia. There's going to be uh, five servers uh, uh, at start. And they've also uh, detailed uh, other plans for the uh, three other global data centers, you know, uh, Tokyo, uh, Sacramento, and uh, I forget where the Europe one is. I think it might be Frankfurt or something. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, they're not adding any servers to Japan, although they're restructuring the entire thing, uh, because, uh, the, uh, the Japanese data centers as they are, are huge. There's like 11 servers on a couple of them and they've decided, no, we're putting a cap of eight on all of the data centers. So they're restructuring that, adding an extra data center just to move servers from from the other data centers into this new one. Uh, whereas over time, uh, uh, North America and uh, Europe will uh, both be getting a new data center that will eventually be filled out, uh, as well as uh, Europe uh, filling out the two data centers it currently has, because it's only got like six servers each at the moment. But yeah, so- all of... But yeah, so... Uh, Europe, so yeah, Australia is going to have one data center of five. Europe is going to have three of eight, and North America and uh, and uh, Japan are going to have four of eight. And like overall, that's like an addition of about twenty servers. So that's huge. Mm. So and with the data center jump coming out in six point one, it's. Not you. You can visit people on other servers in your same geographic location, so it's not like fracturing the game, which was kind of a problem when uh, when Crystal came out because because that sort of divided Ether into what is still Ether, which is like like considered like the raiding server by some, and Crystal, which is like the role play Balmung Zone server, (laughs) and they're being brought back together. yeah, and while they haven't uh, got a cross-region travel set up yet, they have said that you know it is a possibility in the future. Um, I assuming they're not doing that right now because, I, in in addition to them already doing a lot right now, like these uh, these new servers are coming up Tuesday, and uh, the real trial is that the day after they're reopening Crossworld. Uh, uh, they're reopen. They're reopening World Transfer, which I question uh, if that is a good decision because they're doing this as part of opening the Australian server, and it's going to be on Australia Day. It's a public holiday. <laughs> um, Oops. Yes, yeah, so I. Fe- I'm pretty sure something's going to explode. <laughs> um, so uh, this is a stupid question from someone who doesn't play 14, but is that? Is the data center thing? Is that because of the uh, the chip shortage, or is it because of like you know all the people migrating from World of Warcraft? All of uh, the above. Yes, all of right, the above. Okay. Uh, the uh, the issue, uh, according to the timelines they've given us, uh, the the uh, need for expansion was first noticed in like 2020 or so, but they didn't really have any plans yet. Uh, and then uh, World of Warcraft uh, patch. Uh, 9.1 happened and all of the Blizzard controversies happened and people started checking out of World of Warcraft en masse and moving to Final Fantasy XIV 
Uh, and then there was a chip shortage. Uh, there's also a chip shortage by that point, so Square couldn't buy any more parts. And their expansion plans were already being really slow because they had already committed and were working on the uh, opening of the Australian Data Centre at that point. Uh, but with one small problem, uh, because of COVID-19, uh, Australia's borders were pretty much completely closed and no one from Square Enix could enter the country. So mm. they had to do their end of that entirely remotely. Right. Um, yeah, and the, I mean, the chip shortage is expected to last until like midway through this year. Like, I mean, you know, that's that's another... That, that there's a whole bunch of like supply chain issues that all led to that but you know basically if you're looking to buy a new electric car or, or car in general or you're looking to play final fantasy 14 you better wait until midway through this year which is exactly what i intend to do for both <laughs> things but well ff14 is playable now um buying a car might not be so easy but <laughs> Um, FF14, like a- a- as of like maybe like a week or two ago, has calmed down enough. You can actually play the game without sitting in line for three hours or six hours if you're on Gilgamesh. Yeah, oh, the, that's cool. Yeah, the worst queues I've seen uh, at in the last few days are about uh, sixty, and uh, Final Fantasy 14 processes logins at roughly seventy five a minute. Uh, what it does yeah. is that. Uh, it basically waits until there's a hundred free slots and tries to push in as many as as it can, but it usually can't do all of those. So it only usually gets around seventy five. So uh, yeah, it's been a lot faster than it used to, um, uh, which is uh, good because uh, uh, um, people were definitely expecting things to be bad with uh, the uh, launch of. Uh, uh, Asphodelos uh, Savage, the uh, the latest uh, high tier raid, uh, which we've also got on this list, but uh, we uh, don't really uh, have much to say about that except that it is proof that uh, uh, Square Enix loves Castlevania more than Cap- uh, Konami does. <laughs> hmm. um, like so, as far so as an outsider looking into fourteen, you know, I'm looking to get back into it hopefully later in the year. But, like, you know, it seems to me, like, 14, like, has had such ridiculously good luck lately. Because, you know, it wasn't only the fact that, like, you know, people have been fleeing World of Warcraft because that's done, like, just, you know, it's been on the decline and all the stuff that's happened with Blizzard. Although, we'll see what happens now. Activision have announced they're purchasing Blizzard, which, but you know, Microsoft just on is that. purchasing them. Activision Sorry, is the yeah, current that's home. right. That's uh, right. <laughs> I'm stupid. Yeah. So Microsoft uh, announced they're purchasing uh, Activision Blizzard. Technically, it's going through the courts first, but you know, yeah, like it it's pretty much a foregone Yeah, conclusion. it can't be pr- approved until next year. Although, uh, I mean, between how uh, fucking absurd it is for the number one publisher in the US to buy the number two publisher, and also people have been noticing uh, that uh, Activision have been telling uh, little fibs in the latest SEC um, filings that they've made. Uh, I am starting to suspect that Activision are trying to tank this deal on purpose because there is a clause in the deal that if it falls through, Microsoft still has to pay Activision $3 billion. Huh, that's funny. Well, yeah, I mean, well, we'll see how that goes. But anyway, like between... Like, uh, wow, imploding and falling yeah. off a cliff. 
And between like fourteen, just seems to be like one of those stories that just gets better and better as it goes along. Suffering from extremely success. Good- What's that? Sorry, suffering from success, basically. <laughs> right. Yeah, because like, because I've heard very good things about fourteen's like uh, final final exp- or like the final expansion of this saga. I guess it is. I've right. heard extremely good things about it. So yeah, this it just, uh, yeah. It, this isn't the end of the story, and uh, Yoshida's been pretty explicit both in previous things and also the announcement of the uh, of the registration reopening and uh, future server plans. They've already started working on 7.0's plot. Uh, that, yeah, that's pretty remember. obvious, because uh, 7.0's plot is starting in 6.1, uh, unlike other expansions where uh, generally the the launch plot has ended at a point where there's still a few unanswered questions that get answered all the way through to uh, Major Patch 3. Uh, Endwalker was designed with the intention that the final boss of Endwalker is the final boss of the Zodiac and Hydaelyn saga. That is just the end of the story right there. Anything new is the next, is basically a sequel. Yeah, because I remember when I played 14, I only really played up to um like uh i played up to a realm reborn and then i think i got part way through heaven's ward but i didn't continue and i thought the story was fine like i mean it was all right you know i skipped most of the cutscenes, honestly but i was mostly playing it for the gameplay and now all i hear is about how like 14 is like the best story square have put out in like several decades or something so i mean you know like 14 just seems to just do better and better and better so like uh we'll see if they're able to keep up with like this massive influx of new players but i think it's pretty safe to say that 14 is gonna surpass wow and become the biggest mmo of all time people are pretty sure that's already the case i mean it might just be Mm. in current numbers because obviously wow's numbers have collapsed but uh yeah 14 uh uh well, definitely surpassed eleven a long time ago, and uh, it surpassed eleven as the most profitable game for Square, yeah. and it's only going to increase. Yeah, and it's hard to uh, tell on such a long scale because what well, Wow's Wow's nearly twenty years at this point, right? So it's hard to right. tell, hard to tell if uh, fourteen has managed to pass that yet, but it does seem to be doing better, and um. Yeah, at this point, uh, at this point, the MMO scene has been pretty uh, uh, dead for a while. Honestly, yeah. Uh, like, whenever people say like, "Oh, I don't trust Square Enix," like Square sucks at everything. Like, ten was their last good game, or twelve was their last good game, or like, uh, I, I'm super concerned about Seven Remake because I think it, the next part is the story is going to be so shit. Oh, you always got to point them to the fact that like. 14 was originally, like, the biggest disaster of, like, basically any video game company. Like, and it was, like, it hurt their reputation badly. Yeah. And now it's gone from that to, like, such a massive success story, you know, that it just goes to show, like, this company, they fuck up, but they also, you know, when it counts, they deliver. Yeah, although no company is ever going to do that again. I don't think Square Enix can do that again. <laughs> it's... Right. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, we've seen like companies fall from grace, like, you know, like Valve was once the darling of the gaming community and now people mostly just clown on it all the time. Like you no, know, it's funny to think CD Project Red was thought of as the guys <laughs> oh, that could do no wrong. <laughs> it's and so then funny. Cyberpunk <laughs> Right, <laughs> how quickly they turn that around. But Square has been more, as far as I can tell, they've been more consistent in the fact that, like, they'll fuck up and then they'll do something good. And then they'll fuck up and then they'll do something good. Something like, something I've said before is that Square Enix of Japan, specifically Square Enix's Japanese branch, I don't really give that much of a shit about Eidos. Their, their main appeal is that they never have any fucking clue what they're doing. Right. <laughs> like, so you get stuff that everyone everyone else would think, that is literally the stupidest thing that you've ever told me, and they still have a 50-50 shot of it working. Right. No, but, I mean, you say that of Square Enix of Japan, but it's kind of true of, of the the Western branch, too, because, I mean, look at, like, you know, it's the Square Enix Avengers game was god-awful, and then the Square Enix Guardians of the Galaxy game won a ton of game awards and became one of the biggest surprises, like, pleasant surprises of last year. So, like, you know, so even on their Western branch, there's still just as much, like... We don't know what we're doing. Maybe we'll do something great, or maybe we'll just fuck it all <laughs> up. Well, if the Avengers scared them away from uh, games as a service, that can only be a good thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, um, okay, there was uh, one more thing we had listed uh, in the news, which is uh, Stranger, some Stranger Paradise uh, screenshots and such. Also mentioning it yeah. coming out in March, but but you know what else is coming out in March? Chocobo GP. Oh yeah. What? I mean, so okay, so Chocobo GP is a kart racer uh, with the Final Fantasy twist. You know, it's like so they've yeah, done a, a kart racing game before. Yeah, it was PS1. back on the PS One. Yeah, Chocobo Racing. Yeah. So. But this one has, like, you know, it's got a chibi art style to it. And as far as we know, the playable characters include Terra, include Steiner, include Vivi, include random people in it. Yeah. We don't know how many also, people are going to end up. Also, this game just looks positively insane. Like, I think it mentioned, like, a 64-player online tournament mode. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I've kind of, like... I I have a love-hate relationship with kart racer games. I really loved Crash Team Racing. I really loved Jack X. Like uh and I quite like Mario Kart. And but then every now and then, like uh, you know, kart racing there used to be like a massive fad where like everything would get a kart racer game. But like, you know, so many of them were just total duds where it was basically just a reskin of Mario Kart and they did nothing interesting other than let's put our own like characters in it. Right, you know, and every now and then you get a Jack X or a Crash Team Racing where they actually have their own spin on it and they make something interesting about it, right? And then you know, and then it becomes worthwhile playing. But you know, most most of the time it's literally just a reskin of Mario Kart, you know. And this, like, uh, I'm sad to report, for the most part is looking in 
in the direction of it's a reskin of Mario Kart with Final Fantasy people. But that wouldn't be the end of the world. Like, you I, know, it, it, does, it would be fun. It just wouldn't make a splash. It does. I mean, I don't have much experience with Chocobo Racing, but it does seem to have a fairly similar feel to it. And, you know, decent, decent Mario Kart-like is still decent. So, um, yeah, that is true. Like, because uh, I remember, like, at the Chocobo Racing minigame in Final Fantasy VII, I hated it. I thought that was so stupid. But then I played the Chocobo Racing minigame in fourteen, and I was, you know, I really enjoyed that, you know, in fourteen's Gold Saucer, you know. So if they're trying to, like, make some kind of blend between that and Mario Kart, you know, I'd be down for that. That'd be pretty fun. Yeah. And, uh, Anyway, uh, no matter uh, no matter how you feel about uh, Stranger Paradise, uh, that cannot be the worst thing that uh, Square Enix is putting out in March because Babylon's Fall is also slated for March. Oh yeah, I mean, even me who is not that excited for Stranger of Paradise, like I don't hate that it exists. You know, I'm sure it'll be fine. It's just not my thing. Yeah, I, I have to know what the fuck happened to Babylon's Fall because uh, it was the initial concept looked solid and then every time it popped back up it just looked worse and worse. Huh. Uh, anyway, um, I think that was all the news we had. Uh, we are already an hour 15 in, so uh, do you want to maybe uh, not do the other topics that we had listed? Uh, yeah, this, the, the, I assumed that the news would not take us nearly this long, but we went on a 30-minute right. rant about shipping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We could do the, we could do the uh, one of the two topics, but not both of them. Like, Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't prepare for... Uh, the uh the dungeon one so right i, I didn't prepare either so let's go with the, let's go with the last one yeah the uh the state of wiki affairs so uh i guess uh so i guess how do people feel about what the wiki's like now that we're in the new year so i think we have some I, I, I think the, the work of the previous year has been pretty exciting. We've got a lot of new editors coming in from from Seven Remake and from Endwalker. Um, mm. And so it's, it's, it's not surprising. You pop open recent changes. Like half of the edits are just people adding just, it, just enormous amounts of content to the, um, to the Endwalker and, and Seven Remake uh, sections of the wiki. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty like you know, it's pretty cool. And every every now and then, you'll get uh, like you do get edits from uh for the pixel remaster stuff. Like you know, right now I've mostly like taken a break from the seven stuff just to focus on pixel remaster, like uh with FF five. And uh, I dare say I'm quite proud of what I've done with um with FF five, just because like uh. You know, FF5, that is a game where, like, uh, the lore of it and the story of it kind of isn't why you play that game at all. It's not very good. Like, or, I mean, or, I mean, upon closer inspection, it's actually a lot better than I 
thought it was, you know. They clearly, like, thought about some things much more, like, they, they put much more thought into it than most people will pick up on just because, like, you know, the story isn't why you play that game, right? But, you know, like, I, th- I think it's super interesting now if you look at, for instance, like, a lot of the location pages, you'll find some things that are, like, hidden deep in the game's script, like, by talking to some NPCs that you wouldn't have picked up on, you know, just through a normal playthrough. Like, there are, ton- there are tons of things that I thought were quite cool. So, for instance, I think the main one that I was happy to, like, discover, I guess, was, like, uh, when you go to Walsh, when you go to Castle Walsh, like, you know, that's after the Wind Shrine, after the Wind Crystal has been shattered. Like, you know, you go to Castle Walsh, and then uh, Princess Lena tries to convince King Walsh to shut down the machine that's uh, empowering the Wind Crystal. And, like, uh, and when you get there, like, King Walsh is like, ho, 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 you must be joking. I will never uh, close down this machine. And it, and when you when you see that in the main story, he kind of just looks like he's being a jerk. You know, he's like, oh, dude, another crystal shattered. you got you got to shut this thing down. He kind of looks like he's just being a dickhead about it. But then when you actually talk to the NPCs, you realize, like, you know, the reason why the water crystal, like, machine was so important to them was it was protecting them from monster attacks, right? It's like uh, the reason the town is able to exist is because the water crystal was purifying the water and that was keeping all the monsters away because they were using it as a defense mechanism. And that's how they sealed Shiva away for so long. You know, so when you look at the, when you look at it like that, it's like you can kind of see why he'd be reluctant to shut down the machine. But, you know, in the main story, you just kind of think he's being a jackass. Right. Uh- yeah, five is a surprisingly dense game. Yeah, um, especially coming uh, off of four, because uh, four is a uh, uh, kind of uh, the game that's uh, uh, ver- that very very much shows that this is an early SNES game, <laughs> and then you got five oh, and yeah. six in comparison. Uh, oh, absolutely! Like, uh, I mean, it's not even just in terms of like the gameplay because the gameplay of four is extremely basic. But also, like, you know, you look at like the storytelling of Final Fantasy four, and you know, it's it's hard to believe that they went from writing the story of four to writing the story of six, given how much better the story of six is. Like, I mean, the story of four. For what it is, like, and for the context of when it came out, you can forgive a lot of its, like, shortcomings, but, you know, like, whereas with 5, the story doesn't take itself seriously at all, and it's mostly just there as a joke. Like, you know, pretty much everyone is, pretty much everyone is a silly character and doesn't take themselves seriously. Even X-Death is kind of hammed up. Where he was like, ha ha ha, I am evil, I will destroy everything. Whereas 4 is trying to take itself seriously, and it's trying to be a serious story, but it doesn't work all that well. Because, like, you know, there's, like, so many deaths, quote-unquote deaths of the party members that are just reversed later, where you're just like, or, or how am I supposed to take any death seriously? Like, you know... Like even if they were, even if they were like the party member was actually dying, when there's that many of them die, it's hard. It's hard to like feel anything when like Sid takes a a, a suicidal plunge or something because you're like, dude, like someone just died like five minutes ago. So how am I supposed to have the capacity to feel anything 
for these like you know for these people that are there for five minutes and then they die and then come back it's i don't know well that was particularly funny because uh like that's already just after uh after yang uh yang quote unquote sacrifices himself and then and then sid goes and does it and uh Cut back to the ship and Kane just going, Why does everyone keep doing this? Right? <laughs> like, why does why does Sid think that he's the fucking redneck from Doctor Strange Love? Right? It's so yeah. I mean the- for a story, it's it you can forgive it considering, you know, they were still new at this shit. They didn't know what they were doing yet. You know, stories in video games weren't expected to be there much at all, really. But you know, I mean, what I I suspect like because I haven't I haven't rewritten the content for four, and I don't know if I will anytime soon. But I suspect when you get to the content for four, like you won't find as many things like uh, when you look through the location pages, for instance, you're not gonna find as many things that are like super like interesting tidbits of lore that were hidden right. away in the script. Because yeah. most of it is kind of like you know. Four is what it is. It is exactly what it presents itself as. Whereas five, there's like, you know, there are clearly some things that they thought about it. They they thought about it much more than like you would think, you know. They put a lot of like thought into tons of the lore details, but it just you just wouldn't be able to tell from a normal playthrough because you're only playing the game like, you know, to level up your jobs, right? And by the way, all the stuff on the jobs and the abilities, that's all completely rewritten. But now I'm going through the lore stuff. I'm trying to do as much as I can before 6 comes out. And then I'm going to do 6. And I'm going to try and do as much of that as I can before something about 7 is announced. And then I'm going to go back to 7. So I'm being right. pulled like in different directions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I I still expect, just based on how uh, how Yoshi P tends to do things, that the next big thing is probably 16. Like, I don't think that once we actually get to the point where he's regularly showing stuff, it's going to string us along for years. I think once we get to whatever they're planning in spring, the release date is soon from there. Like, like, you know, when it comes to 14 expansions, they usually get announced like half a year out. Right. And and I expect that 16 will bring its own influx of editors, or maybe some of the 14 people will cross over into 16. I personally don't expect to write the content for that, just because, like, uh, you know, I have a life to get to. (laughs) Like, I can't write for every single game that comes out. (laughs) Like, it's (laughs) nothing against 16. (laughs) It's nothing against 16 at all. It's just, you know... I have to I have to draw the line somewhere, but like uh, I expect it will see its own influx of editors, and you know I'm excited to see what happens there too. So you know we're we're doing we're in a good spot at this point, but I think that's just because Final Fantasy is in a good spot. Like you know, like the wiki was kind of dark for years, but that was just because you know the only thing we had was 13. And then there was a long wait, and then we had 15, and 15 was kind of underwhelming. Yeah, and then there was and, a long wait. And version 1 of 14 barely got covered. Like, we do still have uh, bits and pieces of that around the place, but it it's still obviously unfinished and probably won't ever get properly finished. Cause well, even then. Like, a lot of that know, information version... is just missing now. <laughs> you just can't get it back. Yeah, well, even then, like, version 2... 
was like uh, was struggling for coverage at first but like you know slowly over time i think people have pulled together and i think version two and and onwards like i think 14's coverage is getting better over time it's still we're still mostly strongest in the lore aspect like the gameplay aspect like uh we're obviously not going to be able to compete with a wiki that only covers 14's gameplay Right, but 14 so, also has been a good uh, hosting ground for our technical advancements because that is uh, mm. what the icon uh, system uh, uh, largely serves. And yeah, it's also there for well, 7 Remake, but 14's dictionary for it is fucking huge. Um, right, because I created that for 7 Remake. Yeah. And I wasn't expecting anyone else to use it ever. I wanted other people to use it, but I didn't expect them to. And then all of a sudden, it got like, filled yeah. with all these 14 images, and then it started breaking. I was like, oh shit, what have I yeah, done? Yeah, so... With regards to the broken icon system, I mean, do you mind if I rant about Tencent for like 30 seconds? <laughs> yeah, go oh, yeah, ahead. Go. I fucking hate what's happened to XIVDB2. Yeah, so so once upon a time, back when I was in like high school or college or something and I didn't have a life, there was a website called 14DB and I had like a partially automated system that could import data from 14DB and from uh, 14 Explorer, which also is defunct now. Um, Fortune Explorer is still useful, though. I have used that. It, yeah, it, Fortune Explorer at least exists. It just, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it still exists. It's just a very outdated tool at this point. It's um, fucking Java. <laughs> yes, and um, and and so so fourteen DB was bought out by Tencent, who promptly discovered that they couldn't make a profit off of it, so they just shut it down. Yeah. Uh, and so. And, and uh, this was around the time that I was like getting a job and stuff. So the wiki's coverage of 14 gameplay just completely stagnated. Uh, and nothing got done for a long time. Over the past few months, I've been working on implementing uh, uh, like automated co- uh, imports of coverage from 14 API. But this is a, a Herculean task that it, that is taking me like literal years. But if any, on the off chance that someone's listening and likes Python or Rust or Lua, please join us so we can fix our shitty icon system and better implement 14 API and, um, and the fucking giant databases. There's a, that we have to code in Lua because, uh, because fandom does not allow wikis to uh, adopt semantic anymore. Uh, semantic would actually be very useful for the 14 coverage, but uh, we uh, we are not allowed to uh, oh, use it. Cargo is the other one that we're not allowed to use at this time. Yeah, it's 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 kind of frustrating, but it, it is what it is. Um, the other the the other thing with regards to 14 coverage is. It would be nice if we could, like, now that we have all the lore, it would be nice if we could restructure it in a way that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I can tell. Like, the main, like, for me, if I was running the 14 project, I would just focus on, like, two or three really important topics, whether they be characters or locations mm-hmm. or something. I just focus on a few of them and say, okay, we're going to rewrite this article and we're going to make it like featured article level of quality. Like a featured article, for those who don't know what that is, like a, it's a, it's a program that's basically run on Wikipedia 
And the goal is like uh, you write an article to such a level of quality that it can get featured on the homepage. And it isn't so much the glory of it being featured on the homepage. That's not what people chase. What they chase is like improving the encyclopedic quality to such a level that like, uh, you know, it's basically the best possible, like it's the best possible representation of the subject that it can be. You know, it's where like people scrutinize it to such a, a level of detail and see the quality it has, and they say, like, you know, I, I'm looking at this, and I don't see how I can make this better. So, like, if it were me, I would just focus on a few of those topics and say, we're going to get this to that level of quality, and then the other, you know, the other pages, like, will have something to aim for. That That's me. That's what I would do if I were in that situation, but I'm not, and 14 is a whole other beast. Yeah, I, I, my, my, my feeling is that the scale is just too large. We're just constantly getting dumped with more information from Square Enix, more information, more information, more information. And if we focus on like one area, everything else is going to have just gaping holes in the coverage. And that's how you get like the early draft of the Medion page where some Anon was going on about how beautiful she was or something. Jesus. And that's not on the wiki anymore. We deleted that. Um, oh, we, like, but, yeah, but, we, we uh, definitely did not keep that and like she she's clearly supposed to look underage. Don't don't talk about that kind of stuff with the underage characters, please. Um I do think I I, I, I the last thing I wanna say before I call it a day is I do think that we should maybe consider bringing back the featured article system so that people do have something to shoot for. But um there aren't that many articles that would be truly like featured article worthy, I think. Right. Yeah, all of them right now would all be Final Fantasy Seven. Like, <laughs> I can think of maybe a couple five ones that I'm proud of, but like you know, the vast majority of it is going to be seven, and then when six comes out, it's going to be six as well. <laughs> yeah, I am very proud of the technological improvements. Uh, one of the other things uh, we did, and this is actually my doing, the C- the CSS kind of things. We basically. Uh, managed to rise it so that the design can completely change between dark and light themes. So we basically yes. can have two yeah, themes that's now. Very good. Uh, at that's the moment, if you, you go to the that. site, you will see uh, it's designed after Final Fantasy fourteen. If you click the click the uh, dark mode button, it switches to a more seven remake design. And, yeah, because. So okay. my friend and I, we did the seven remake design, and it was very much based on the menus mm-hmm. uh, within seven remake, and it just seemed to make a lot of sense, you know. Other than the fact that it was the big game coming out, seven remakes menus do a great job of blending old and new. Where like you know, it's somewhat like the old menus, and obviously the old menus they just wouldn't really work for website UI design, just right. because you know they're old, <laughs> they're old consoles. And like UI uh, and UX uh, design has come along a lot since then, right? But, you know, it does a great job of blending that with like new things that UI and UX people have learned along the years. And then so I implemented that and then I kind of neglected the 14 side, but you knocked it out of the park with the 14 side. And And unlike you, you didn't have my friend to help me out. Right. And I think uh, on that topic, 14 also does a good job of uh, trying to modernize that kind of menu. Because 14 does have the option to uh, recolor the menus to look like uh, classic uh, uh, classic menus. And you can see yeah. they're still kind of based on the same sort of design, just with a more 
natural color scheme for what it is. Like, I mean, everyone loves the classic blue, but at the same time, uh, too many of those boxes all over the place gets a bit grating, uh, which is probably why they stopped uh, doing it after uh, after Seven's uh, user interfaces based on having like five of those boxes around the place. Uh, it's not great. Um, uh, yeah, but, so our 14th theme is very, very good. Yeah. Um, and uh, it might be hard to keep up with that because, you know, the next release will be a game that we don't really have an idea of what it looks like yet. Uh, but I think that most likely what's going to happen is, like, we might change, like, the background image and, like, you know, the those ones you see on the front page. We might change some of the images around, but I don't see us changing... Like, uh, a lot of the details, such as, like, I don't see us changing the tables or the info boxes or the nav boxes again until right. another 10 years when, like, you know, <laughs> UI and UX design is in a totally different place than it is now. Right. So, but like, if uh, we do want to, if we do want to tweak those designs, the code, it's not the most readable code, but it is still, it is still there and pretty, uh, pretty easy for us to uh, determine. So... Hopefully, yeah, the CSS uh, is much better than it was. Yeah, so hopefully it won't be as much of a mess as uh, as me implementing the fourteen ones was, because uh, that uh, took a lot of trial and error. <laughs> um, yeah, that's something. That's something that I, I didn't mention when I was talking about what I thought was exciting. But it is exciting is that we have we have this is something most readers will never care about. But we we have gone through and made the code of the wiki much much easier to read and easier to modify. The bot mm. API is way better. The CSS can actually be edited by a human being now. <laughs> There's not so much yep. parser functions. And so our, so our lives as the people who do the technical stuff is now much easier. Yeah, yeah I mean, I don't want to uh, too much disrespect to the, f- the former editors or anything, like uh, the former person who used to run the technical side. But I, I will say that it was much like it was much more of like the work of like a, an evil genius kind of thing, where it's like you know you you can see from it like you know someone clearly like had the idea that like uh, we're gonna make this automated system and it's gonna be like JS is gonna run all of it and it's gonna be you know, all done from this way and it's gonna be so easy. But then you know only the evil genius that implemented it knows how it works. So, but now we have now we want to like. It's much more like lightweight. Yeah, we had some genuinely beautiful code back in the day, but you'd have to actually be a genius in order to be able to read it. To, to no, be no, fair, I, and I, like, we I had... have explained this before. Uh, the main reason most of our code base is the way that it was is because teenagers. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, it's not that the code was beautiful because it was it was like hard to read. It was just good code. It was functional, but it was ugly, right? <laughs> Whereas, like now, it's kind of like uh, it's a much, it's much more lightweight, and it's now looking a lot more beautiful. So it's basically the guys who run the the technical side, and I used to be one of them. Not so much anymore, because I find article writing more interesting mm-hmm. these days. But like the guys who run the technical side have basically become much better, like programmers than we were like for, in the four or five years ago when when the old code base existed. Right. Um, on the 
I guess, straddling both sides of things, uh, there is one thing uh, from fandom that I am hoping that they actually do get around to soon, since they did say this was coming in 2021 and then it didn't, which is them bringing back the map feature. Yes, I'm making it good this time. Yeah, uh, we definitely did experiment with maps before. Uh, We didn't get very far uh, because it's kind of... It was buggy and broken as hell? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, And yeah, that is something... And that is something that uh, uh, has a lot of potential uses, really, uh, because I am... Trapped in Final Fantasy fourteen hell, that is what I see a lot of things for, and that is very useful in that regard. But also, but yeah, almost every game in the series can actually benefit from that. You know, yeah. it'd probably be great for it. I mean, maybe maybe there's a Lua hack that could do it, but maybe maybe the map would be a more natural way to do it. Tactics and tactics advanced battle maps that don't <laughs> suck. Oh, those would be good too. Like uh, I was more thinking of like a. Uh, the SNES games where people have managed to like rip the like the world maps and stuff like you know stuff like that that would be a great implementation of the map feature. Yeah, but, it's you know. not uh, even uh, that hard to get good rips of those uh, older ones now because the pixel remasters have been pretty much broken wide open. Oh yeah, I mean like uh, speaking of breaking things wide open. <laughs> You know, there's a PC port of Final Fantasy VII Remake now, and, you know, lots of people have already had tons of fun with some of the mods, but... Unreal uh, and, Engine, baby. Yep, <laughs> and that also means, you know, rips for us, so Sreliata will be providing us more character renders for the Integrate stuff, and, like, uh, and presumably some other people will be able to, like, find other ways to break that game open, and then that game's coverage which will expand yeah. a bit more. So, yeah, so, yeah, so I guess the TLDR is, like, uh, we're, we're in a pretty good spot. Yeah. Sil- right now, silver lining of, uh, of uh, Luminous uh, Engine being a complete and utter fucking disaster is that Square Enix has transitioned to be a primarily uh, Unreal and Unity developer, and both of those uh, engines are incredibly uh, easy to reverse engineer. Yep. <laughs> So yeah, so we're in a good spot. Maybe the best spot we've been in in all the time I've been here. Yeah, it's, uh, and it's getting better. Yeah, it does feel like we're in the best state we've been in a long time. Yep, definitely and... since like uh, the t- since the time before I was there. Like you know, like uh, there was like it was it must have been like two thousand seven eight or so when like there was like this influx of people like just writing content that just didn't exist yet and that must have been exciting as well but right. um i guess i guess one thing that is always a bit concerning is that outside of these you know game specific burst activity in general does does get quite slow like you know we used to be able to hold those those huge tournaments and such the uh Magicite uh, Madness, and while I do not want to run thing run one of those again because that is some of the most stressful shit that has ever happened on the wiki, I, I'm not sure if we'd get enough people to participate in it if we tried to do it again. 
Mm. Yeah, that that is really frustrating. I mean, okay, Magisite Madness specifically and else was kind of a shit show. When I ran it, it was a shit show. Every Magisite Madness before the one that I ran was also a shit show. But yeah, we just don't have the sort of like social activities that we that we used to have, and that that, that is pretty disappointing. It's like, where did everyone go? I I was actually well, very I mean, surprised by how smooth Magisite Madness Four was. Because yeah, Magisite Madness Two had uh, you know, the the cheaters and uh, the entire fuck up over uh, over the uh, final fight because uh, because uh, people disagreed over whether uh, it being in the Dragon's Neck Coliseum meant that it should abide by Coliseum or Magisite Madness rules. And then Magisite Madness Three had the incident I do not want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Four was the it. least bad of like every Magisite Madness up to the up to that point, and it was still just a huge stressful shit show that pissed a bunch of people off. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, it goes back to kind of what we were saying regarding like uh, no, with the character shipping, where people that like some people just get way too emotionally invested in fictional characters and pixels on a screen, you know. Like, I get that, you know, you may, like, identify a lot of things in these certain characters. Like, you know, I identify a lot with Spider-Man. But if someone says, oh, Spider-Man sucks, I prefer Batman. I'm not going to respond like, oh, you're trash, I hate you, I'm going to send death threats to you, and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I don't know. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm kind of of the school of thought where, like, uh, I don't think that the absence of those things is such a bad thing. Don't get me wrong, I don't hate them, like, uh, you know, and if they were running, I wouldn't, like, go and cancel them. I'm not gonna, like, fight against them coming back, because I think they're fun, you know. Those are perfectly fun, like, tournaments to get involved in. You know, it's, I mean, it's fun for the people that aren't running them, I should say. But they're, they're totally fun things, you know, and we're not worse off if we have them. But I'm of the school of thought where I'm like, well, us not having them isn't the end of the world, because, it, you know, we're a wiki. You know, the most important thing is that we're the biggest and, dare I say, the best encyclopedia for Final Fantasy on the internet. And that's our core strength. That is what we are best at. And, you know, if we run a tournament on the on the side, that's great. It's great fun. And it's great to get people involved. If we don't, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. Yeah, I do want to bring the social stuff back if we can. It is a bit disappointing to, you know, look through Project Space and see a bunch of uh, old dead things. And, you know, some of them, you know, I can even point to them and say, hey, this is partially my fault. Like, look look at the news page. Uh, I did like that thing, but the problem was I couldn't do a lot with it. And, uh, and a lot of us just kind of fell asleep at the wheel and it resulted in two cases where a single editor took over and let the quality decline extremely hard because they were basically the only arbiter of what was on the page. And after that right. second time, we basically all just agreed, no, this isn't worth it anymore. And yeah, why fix what you can just delete? And that is kind of annoying because you know, it's something that was nice to have. And we kind of fucked it up. Yeah, I mean, it was nice. It just wasn't, like, essential to the main thing it is that we do. So, you know, 
So to anyone out there, like, you know, if you're interested in, like, you know, for instance, there are t- we have tournaments where people, like, choose the best Final Fantasy character, and, you know, we have, like, an, what they just described was, like, a news page where people can, like, not heavily editorialize the news, but they can kind of run it as if we had our own kind of news and our own original reporting kind of thing. It, you know, they're, they're fun to have. You know, like they're like they're good features of the wiki. They're just not core essential features. You know, when I'm thinking about where I'd spend my time, you know, I'm thinking like, could I, you know, write this really good article on like, you know, this subject that we haven't covered all that well before? Or could I, you know, run a tournament where people get to decide, you know, who's better between like Cloud or Sephiroth, you know? Like, and I'm always going to choose the first one because the second one isn't that important to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we're saying we we need to bring back all these social features. It's just that it it was a fun thing that, you know, brought people together and maybe was more, you know, engaging than what the way people currently socialize, which is posting like shitty memes in the meme channel. Um, Speaking, the actually one thing that I would... So I, I, I said that Magistat Madness was kind of shit, but one thing that I would really like to see come back is the Sanctuary of Zeta, which is where people could post all their like fan art and fan fiction. And mm. I actually just opened it up right now and discovered that the page for the Sanctuary of Zeta is just completely broken. All of the code is fucked up. So I, I, I need to fix yeah, that. Yeah, the, the old forum is pretty fixed, much on viable at this point. Uh, the code just yeah, completely the- fell apart. Yeah, the, like, the, the, the okay. for, actually the forums the forums should probably just be scrapped entirely. But the sanctuary of Zeta, I would love if if people could bring it back with with some new fan art and fan fiction, and I I, I think that would maybe be a more engaging thing for people than you know just posting shitty memes. Like we did, yeah, that's uh, the thing, like. we do keep the forum around because you know Rins is very useful, but uh, or at least this is when people actually use it, but. Uh, hmm. I mean, if it were down to me, I'd have deleted every single forum and talk page on the wiki and started from scratch. You know, that's what we did on Ratchet and Clank. We just deleted all the old conversations. And then if you want to start a new one, that's fine. But you're not going to see some old conversation where people said, oh, my God, Courtney Gears is so hot. Or, oh, my God, like uh, this. I have this one fan theory. And how dare you not put that it's true on the page or whatever. Like, um, but. But obviously, we, we we like to keep archives around, whereas I'm not from the school of thought. Also, uh, to, to be fair, we, we did we did absolutely nuke the worst of the forums. The uh, Which one was it? What was it called? Lodestone? The Waystone. 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 Yeah, Waystone. God, uh, the Waystone got, was so shit. Waystone got almost completely purged. We uh, kept a few uh, We kept a few pages around and moved them to... Uh, uh, Zeta, because they were actually actual attempts at creative works, but for the most part, we uh, completely deleted that. Well, the th- the thing for me is like, uh, when it comes to like Sanctuary of Zeta, like, uh, so uh, for context for people who don't know what it is, it's basically like, uh, it's a forum where people used to. It used to be a lot more popular than it than it is now. It's kind of dead. Well, but Rins is the only part of the forum that's actually considered open. I think technically you can add to the other forums, but you're not supposed to. Right. So, uh, Sanctuary of Zetor is basically, like, it was a place where people would write little fan stories, and, like, and it was originally about, I guess, 
I haven't read any of them, but it was about like the city of characters or something. Like I, I don't and remember. Whatever, I wasn't involved they, in it. whatever they wanted, there was you could also post fan art and stuff in there. It's just right. it's just basically a fan work forum. Right. You know, so that used to exist. But then like uh, I, I most of those people don't edit the wiki anymore. They've taken it someplace else and whatever. Right. Like, you know, stuff has happened and but like um but basically, my only thing with that is, like, the a wiki does not seem like a great place to include stuff like that. Because all that's going to happen is, every now and then, I'm always seeing, like, people on Reddit or on Twitter or whatever will, like, uh, post a thing where they're like, Oh my god, I found this screen cap, and the Kingdom Hearts wiki is saying that, like, uh, Moana is in Kingdom Hearts. What the fuck? And then you look at it, and they haven't read the URL. The URL actually says... Kingdom Hearts fanon wiki says Moana is in Kingdom Hearts 4. It's like it's like people, you know, because people think of a wiki as an authoritative like true source of news so whenever they see like, you know a fan fiction thing posted on a wiki, then they're gonna take it as true even though it's not so that's my only like concern with stuff like that. Uh I mean, if people are taking stuff from forum space or walkthrough space out of context and saying that we're claiming that something is canon when it's not, that is their problem. I guess like, that, it clearly yeah, says I mean, forum at the top of the page. It clearly says walkthrough at the top of the page. Right. I, I think we are yeah. not responsible for people like, just not being able to yeah. understand basic English. Like, uh, it's right. something that I've had to tell people before. You do not have to say that something that is on your user page is fanon because the giant banner at the top of the fucking page that has a user profile on it is proof that it is not part of the canon space of the wiki. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, like, this stuff should be scrapped or banned or whatever. I'm just saying, yeah, like, I, I, that's I, my I only understand. concern about I that. understand. You're just... Worried about you know, people not reading, which, yeah, considering you, you just, we are a primarily text-based website, is sometimes rather d- depressing. But yes, right. I mean, you do you just get people like you know they won't read the part where it says this is fan on or the part where it says this is whatever, and then they'll just like they'll post it to Twitter trying to get some clout, and then. Like, you know, and you'll have to scroll down a few comments, like, to find someone who, you know, understands wikis and understands fandom or whatever it is. Like, you'll, you'll, fo- you'll scroll down a few comments and someone will check them and say, like, no, like, uh, th- this, this says fanon right there. You know, you're on the wrong site. But the, co- the comments above that will all be people, like, you know, kind of making fun of the idea of it. Like, ha ha ha, Moana, that would be such a great thing in Kingdom Hearts 4. She's not in there, though. It's not being confirmed. But ha ha ha, wouldn't it be so great? And, you know, you have to scroll down several comments before you find someone say, no, you looked at the wrong thing. You know, and, and like, you'd think a, a post like that wouldn't get upvoted at all. Like, it wouldn't get as much traction as it does. But it does, so clearly there are enough people that don't read this shit that make that mistake. I don't know. Um... Anyway, we've been going for nearly two hours, so maybe we should call We're, it here. Yeah, this has been a very long broadcast. Um, yeah. So, Considering we didn't think we had anything to talk about. I think we were calling this a short episode, 
Yeah, Kat uses the uh, outline, the outright calls it the mini podcast episode, and now it's like the longest. <laughs> po- <laughs> it's been the longest podcast episode so far, and we don't even have the main host. Uh, yeah, so um, anyway, uh, I'm Sun Color Mage. That was Kat Uh That was Techno Blizzerator. We are from the Final Fantasy Wiki, finalfantasy.fandom.com. Uh, the podcast music, if I edit it in, is, uh, let's see if I can read this correctly, uh, La Montana de los Caballos Jovenes uh, by XPRT Novus, uh, pro- provide, used with uh, permission from uh, OC Remix. Uh, yep. the, the album's called Balance and Ruin. Uh, and honestly, uh, you know, to, to everyone... Uh, uh, who uh, who works on the wiki or just you know interacts with uh, our various external media projects? Uh, thank you for uh, for everything you do for us. So yeah, we appreciate all of you and all your contributions, big and small. And you know, like we said, things are pretty exciting this year, and they look pretty exciting going forward. So you know, we can't wait to see what you all do with it. You know. Hopefully, we'll be looking next this time next year, and we'll be seeing 2023 is an even better year. So, <laughs> thank you, everyone. Yeah, thank you, all of you. Yeah, here's, uh, here's to another year. Yeah. Also, Spider Man No Way Home is the best Spider Man film. Go see it. <laughs>